welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 237. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. It's an August episode of the podcast, which means nothing other than it's coming out in August 2020. There's still a pandemic. School starts this month. That'll be exciting. Where I live, we are like much of the country of America. For those of you not in America, you may insert your laugh here. Those of us in the country of America are doing this sort of odd hybrid schedule thing with going back to school. School hasn't started yet, so I don't know how it's going to work, but where I am, uh, we're going to do part of the week physically in the school building, part of the week at home. Jill, my wife, is a teacher. She'll be in school full-time for that reason. And my kids will be learning online part of the time, which will be interesting. In my day job, I float around. I can set up at home if I need to uh, for most things, and I can go to the office when I need to. So we're going to see how that works. I'm probably going to have to do some hall monitoring, uh, at least for my younger one, who, though, you know, Henry, my frequently co-host, who, although very smart and very clever and, you know, knows the importance of doing his work, He's also, you know, not a big fan of sitting in front of a computer screen to listen to lectures. He'll happily play games, but to sit and listen to someone talk on a Zoom meeting, not his favorite thing. So we'll see how that goes. All right. In news this week, there isn't really any news. Nope, nothing's happening in the world. Not a thing. But as far as the podcast, I'm afraid that we have to address the elephant in the room. That's right, Elephant, go sit down so that I can talk about the news. There, I told him. In what I have decided now to call quiche gate, I opened up a can of wormy quiche. Mmm, worm quiche. A couple weeks ago, when I uh, speculated whether or not, and honestly, I don't even remember how it started, but I, I asked the question, do people still eat quiche? That kind of casserole thing. Um, that I remember anyway, being a big symbol in the 80s of yuppies. Remember yuppies? Kids go ask your parents. They were sort of, uh, it was sort of a derogatory term for sort of upper class or striving to be upper class, elitist jerks with, you know, really good hair and fancy cars and uh, kind of looking down on other people. And one of the emblems of that was that they ate a lot of quiche for some reason. I don't know. But since the 80s, I don't remember hearing about quiche at all. So I asked the question, does anyone still eat quiche? And it turns out, they do. I heard, for example, from Ferg. Hi, Ferg. Most of you know who Ferg is, but for those of you who don't, he hosts the Robert Ferguson, Ferg, to most of us, hosts the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast. He's a delightful host. He's a wonderful human being. Uh, He bakes. So I guess he would be the guy who would know. But he himself is a quiche eater. I'm sorry to out you as a quiche eater, Ferd, but, you know, we don't, uh, we don't pull any punches on the podcast. I am filling time as I look for this message. If you want to go follow Ferd on Twitter, you can do that uh, at 2600 Dame by Dame. And he commented on the Twitter, my Twitter, which you can follow at Atari Bytes. He said, didn't hear the episode till this morning. This was on July 27th. I actually made a broccoli and cheese quiche last week. It was pretty awesome. Well, don't we think highly of our quiche-making abilities, Ferd. 
Actually, I'm sure it was quite good. You've posted pictures of other things that you've made, and although I've never eaten any of it, it always looks good. So uh, I'm happy that you enjoyed your broccoli and cheese quiche. Like I said, I'm still not entirely sure what a quiche is, but I like broccoli and I like cheese. So that's a good start, it seems to me. But he was not alone. Oh no, he was not the only one who had thoughts on this. I also heard from Jeff Fulton at 8BitJeff on Twitter, one of the hosts of Into the Vertical Blank, which is also a show that most of you are familiar with. Uh, But if you're not, go check that show out as well. Uh, His thoughts on quiche were as follows. We have a COVID vegetable garden going and we are getting huge zucchini. Quit bragging about your zucchini, Jeff. And then he says, my wife made a quiche out of them. So at least one person is still doing quiche. Okay, I'm going to stop you here. I don't like quiche. Uh, 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 Strike that. I don't like zucchini. But here's the thing. I don't, much like I've never, to my memory, had quiche, I have also never eaten a zucchini. I, I, but I have decided I don't like them. I, like most humans, have no problem with deciding I don't like things that I'm not familiar with. And among them are zucchini and Brussels sprouts. I used to not like asparagus for that reason, but then I ate some and I actually do like it. So I suspect that I would like uh Uh, Brussels sprouts and zucchini and quiche if I would eat them. But much like when people push you to watch a TV show or a movie because you just have to have this thing, I don't feel so compelled a lot of the time to watch that movie or that TV show because I feel like I've already got a lot of movies and TV shows that I like. Uh, I don't need any more necessarily. Uh, And I kind of feel like that with quiche and certain veggies. I've got a lot of those kinds of things I already like, and I'm good. You know, I don't need any more. However, I am happy to know that there are quiche eaters out there. The quiche is thriving. It has not gone by the wayside like um, hot milk at bedtime. I, I don't know why I think of this, but it seems like that's the thing I used to hear about. Do people drink hot milk at bedtime? Or spam. I don't going to get messages about that because I see spam commercials all the time. Spam is another thing I've never eaten, but have decided that uh, it's awful. So, all you quiche people out there, feel comforted that I've been corrected. Uh, there are at least two of you out there eating quiche. So, we'll see what happens with Quiche Gate in the future. Alright, well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... I found something, sir! Oh, good grief, man! That's the great Frostbite Bailey! Against all odds, he builds his igloo by leaping treacherous moving ice. He faces one fearsome predator after another. What? In a grueling race to keep from freezing. He didn't make it, did he? Help me stand him up. I think he wants a beer, sir. I think he said bear. Frostbite for the Atari 2600. Designed by Steve Cartwright for Activision. Frostbite from Activision. We love us some Activision around here. 1983. The manual for Frostbite uh, is lovely. It's a, uh, you know blue and white and indicative of uh, chilly climbs, right? You got some snowflakes and you got an igloo. Disappointingly, the igloo in the manual looks a lot more like an igloo than the igloo that you get on screen. But we'll get to that in a minute. The cover of the manual tells us that this is not so much a manual as it is Frostbite Bailey's Arctic Architects Handbook. Activision manuals like to do this a lot, right? They don't give us a game manual so much as they give us a a map or a journal or, in this case, an Arctic Architect handbook for whatever the game is. Although the inside 
doesn't feel so much like an architect art uh, an arctic architect's handbook as it does a game manual but oh well the object of the game is to help frostbite bailey build igloos by jumping on floating blocks of ice be careful to avoid these deadly hazards killer clams snow geese alaskan king crab grizzly polar bears and the rapidly dropping temperature okay two thoughts one uh, it's tiny print in this manual but it was much easier to read because i just got new glasses uh, although the lighting in here is terrible so that's not helping um but that's my problem not yours um, the other issue I have with this is the game, and we'll get more to the, into this in a minute, the, the countdown element of the game is that the temperature is rapidly falling. But, one, you live in the Arctic, don't you expect it to be really cold? And I would think that would help your igloo building because you would have more solid blocks of ice. Which leads to my second point. One of the elements of the gameplay is you're jumping onto these ice flows um, floating in the Arctic Ocean, but they melt and you have to get off of them before they melt. If the temperature is falling, why are they melting? I mean, granted, you start out at 45 degrees, which is well above freezing, so I get why they might be melting then. But the temperature falls gradually towards freezing. I would think that would help the ice flows, but oh well. So, to play the game, insert the game cartridge. Duh. Or in my case, turn on your flashback 9. Plug in the joystick. Difficulty switches are not used. Game 1 is regular, game 2 is regular, but 2 players. Game 3 is advanced, and game three, uh, game 4 is advanced, 2 players. Uh, Henry and I, Henry joined me for the field report, mostly as videographer, but he played a little bit beforehand, as did I. We really only played game 1. Joystick controller is held with the red button in the upper left position. Best instruction ever. To move frostbite Bailey left to right, move the joystick left to right. He, he'll move up when you push the joystick forward and move down when you push it when you pull it back you'll see in the field report there's something about the way frostbite bailey moves in this game which is not complicated but psychs me out for some reason i think part of it is because you're jumping on these ice flows but instead of being staggered like steps they are almost entirely almost but not quite entirely right below each other so it feels weird when you jump off of one like you're just not going to jump onto anything when in reality you're just going to jump down to the next ice flow below you and you can't really i don't think you can jump from one ice flow to the one next to it it only you can only go up and down which also felt weird and i may be wrong about that as i'm saying it right now but I, it seems like that's the way it was or i was incompetent or both begin a new game press the game reset the ice will start to move and frostbite can start jumping you begin the game with one active frostbite bailey and three in reserve with each Increase of 5,000 points, a bonus frostbite is added to your reserves up to a maximum of 9. Frostbite gets lost each time he falls into the Arctic Sea, gets chased away by a polar grizzly, or gets caught outside when the temperature drops to zero. The game ends when your reserves have been exhausted and frostbite is retired from the construction business. He builds one igloo and he's retired. I would think there'd be a big market for igloos, and he could make lots more money if he built built like two or three but hey your business model is your business model frostbite i'm who am i to tell you any different building codes each time frostbite bailey jumps into jumps onto a white ice flow a block is added to the igloo once jumped upon the white block turns blue it can still be jumped on but it won't add points to your score or blocks to your igloo when all four rows are blue they turn white again 
because that's how life works, right? You finish a thing, and as soon as you finish it, you got to start over with a new thing. The igloo is complete when a door appears. Frostbite may then jump into it. I played this game minimally today. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. Just wait for the field report. Work hazards. Avoid contact with Alaskan king crabs, snow geese, and killer clams, as they will push frostbite barely into the frigid, into the fatal Arctic Sea. The polar grizzlies come out of hibernation at level 4, and upon contact will chase frostbite right off the stream. I would think if you come in contact with a, you know, a polar bear, the best you can hope for is to be chased off of stream. No overtime is allowed. Frostbite barely works starts working when it's 45 degrees you'll notice him steadily you'll notice the steadily falling temperature at the upper left corner of the screen frostbite must build and enter the igloo before the temperature drops to zero or he'll turn into blue ice fresh fish swim by regularly their frostbite bellies only food and as such also are also additives to your score catch him if you can frostbite works the day shift and the night shift he must build the igloo pr- build four igloos per shift. A magic fish will appear near your score when you've racked up a certain high number of points. Watch for it. Scoring ranges uh, in level 1, 10 points per ice block to 160 points for entering an igloo. On level 2, it's 20 points and 320 on and on and on. Level 9, you can get 90 points per ice block and 1440 points for entering the igloo. Scoring remains constant after the ninth level. Fish are worth 200 points each. Also, each degree remaining when Frostbite Bailey enters the igloo will add points to your score as follows. 10, 10 times the degree times the level number. Okay. Join the Arctic Architects. Getting into any builder's association requires paying your dues. Score 40,000 points or more and we'll figure you've, uh, you've, pa- you've paid yours. If you find the magic fish, we'll really be impressed. Send us a photo of the TV screen showing your qualifying score along with your name and address, and we'll send you the official Arctic Architects emblem. Be sure to write the name Frostbite and your score at the bottom corner of the envelope. As always, my question to you, if anyone did this, and if you indeed have, the Arctic Architect emblem. And then, as the, Arct- uh, the Activision manuals frequently do, we get a little bit of a lesson. And here's this one. Life at the top of the world. The Arctic probably ranks as the area least chosen by home buyers, and most of us know little, if anything, about this amazing land. Yet the architect, the Arctic, has been home to some of the happiest and hardiest members of humankind for thousands of years. The Eskimos. I'm not sure. I feel like maybe Eskimos is a term that has fallen out of favor, but for purposes of this manual, we'll you know pl- uh, plow through. Traditional Eskimos believe that nature's gifts belong to everyone. There is no private property except for tools and clothes. Everything else is shared, not only with community members, but with any stranger that travels by. It is only while traveling that Eskimos live in their famous snow houses. All houses are called igloos, whether they're made of wood, fur, mud, or snow. The snow variety can be built in about an hour. Here's how. A knife with a long, wide blade is used to cut snow into blocks measuring 36 inches by 18 inches by 6 inches. These are piled in a continuous spiral. The entrance is a tunnel under the snow, or when the ground is frozen, a long hall above ground. This keeps out the cold wind and keeps the warm air inside. A hole is made in the roof for ventilation. There are fascinating things to learn from Arctic sisters and brothers. Find out more in your library. How to become an Arctic architect. Tips from Steve Cartwright, designer of Frostbite. 
Steve Cartwright is an Activision senior designer. His prolific talents have already brought you Barnstorming, Mega Mania. Oh man, I love Mega Mania. Sequest and Plaque Attack. Aside from video games, Steve enjoys motorcycle touring and photography. Here are my favorite tips for high scoring. Learn to use the red button sparingly. The best time to use it is to take out the bear by drawing him to the middle of the screen and then quickly changing direction. Don't be greedy with the fish. Get them if they happen to come by. However, drawing out of your way often uses too much time. Another thing, you, uh, another thing, you can move Frostbite Bailey in midair. Huh. And at higher levels, you can really hook him around. Alright, check out just how far he'll go. Notice that hazards can only get you when both feet are planted. Therefore, it's possible to jump around hazards since they can't hurt you in midair. Now, here's a secret tip I've decided to share. If you jump up onto the extreme left side of the sh shore, the bear can't get you. It's Frostbite's emergency hideout. Now that you know the inside scoop, I'm expecting some really high scores. But don't stay on that ice too long. You can't write when your hands are cold. And at the very least, I'm expecting a postcard. Steve Cartwright. All right, well, according to our friend Wikipedia, in Canada and Greenland, the term Eskimo is predominantly seen as offensive or non-preferred, and has by, been widely replaced by the term Inuit, or term specific to a particular group or community. So, my apologies for using the term. No offense was intended. And that is how you play Frostbite from Activision. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K, podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Coincidentally, I feel compelled to point out here that uh, our friend Ferd, that we mentioned earlier, hi Ferd again, just covered Frostbite in May on the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast. He also had a fabulous interview with Steve Cartwright uh, that came out around the same time, and you should go check those things out if you haven't already. It's only by coincidence that my Frostbite episode is coming out within a few months of the Frostbite episode he did. F was next in the it was next in the uh, alphabetical arrangement on my flashback, uh, so that's what I what came up. So it's kind of nice in a way that it comes out so close to his because you've got this fairly recent interview with Steve Cartwright. So go after you listen to this one, go listen to that episode, and then come back and listen to this one again for comparison. I think that would really be the best way to go. My brain on games.com calls Frostbite Bailey's method of building igloos a little out there by jumping on. Nearby ice flows, his igloo magically constructs itself one block at a time. Yeah, he's getting a little help from above. Difficulty ramps up nicely, and the simple gameplay was addicting. Able to improve game after game as I tried to unlock new uh, new gameplay mode and patch in Activision Anthology. 4,000 and 12,000 points, respectively. The simple and fun arcade-style gameplay on display makes this my favorite game from Steve Cartwright at this point. Woodgrain Wonderland calls the game an undeservedly obscure Activision title that borrows liberally from these t from Qbert and Frogger. 
which I think is apparent. Even Henry commented on it in the field report. I find, the reviewer says, it's often harder to describe what is good about a game than what is wrong with it, but there is very little wrong with Frostbite. The action is fast-paced. The action is fast but reasonable. The graphics are well-animated and colorful, basically standard for Activision games of that era, and the sounds, while minimal, are at least not grating. All right. Well, is that true? Is the game not grating? Is this show not grating? Well, speaking of things that are not grating, hopefully, we've got more show right after the break. He's so cold he can't even talk. He's got one of those things where like his tongue is numb and his lips won't move because he's so darn cold because we're playing Frostbite. Ooh. Okay, that's dumb. Why don't we just play the game? All these options of games we could play, but we're not. There it is. I am incompetent apparently. preamble, we just get right into the game. There we go. What the heck? I pressed start. You He's now moving. And you didn't see that, people. You on the listening to the audio on the podcast didn't see that. There's a little bonus for you guys watching the video. There's something about it that weirds me out. That didn't take very long. It's an easier version of Frogger. It kind of is an easier version of Frogger. Similar to like jumping on the logs in Frogger. That's a good comparison, Henry. Let me try this a little bit more. Um, I like that you have day and night in this game. I always like it when they do that. Get away from me, Goose. Now what do I do? Yes! I live. I die in the icy depths. Right. 44, 43 balmy degrees. Shoot, I didn't time that very well. 
The goose, the gooses look like geeses. So that's good. Your igloo at the top, I'm a little disappointed in the igloo. It really just looks like uh, a structure out of Breakout or Warlords or something. So that's a bummer. Uh-oh. I didn't jump up fast enough. Alright, one more guy. Then we'll call it good. Any comments, Henry? Fair enough. Oh, come on, I got my igloo. Looks like that's a nice sunset. There's not a doorway. Is there supposed to be a door? Oh, that's right. There was no door. I got so close. And that's a message for life, guys. You're In life, most of the time, you're just going to get close. And on that note, back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about Frostbite. I too like Frostbite. This is a game title I've heard about for a while. I'm a little surprised I haven't done it on the podcast before now, but I'm happy I did finally do it now. It's fun. It is very Frogger-like. It's got some Cubert similarities. Cubert also is a game where the movement, although it's not complicated, just psychologically it feels awkward to me. And I stumble around Cubert and make a lot of silly mistakes just because the mechanic the, the movement feels weird and for me it takes some getting used to frostbite is a game i would have to sit with a little bit longer just to get used to how the guy moves but it is fun i'm a little disappointed in the igloo itself it doesn't look to me particularly like an igloo but i guess sort of the curved blocks that would be more igloo like would be difficult to do in a 1983 game so i suppose i should ease up a little on that it's a game i'll keep playing i'll come back to it activision games are for the most part pretty reliable for replay value for a lot of people including me so no worries there yeah it's a good one go put on a sweater and try not to think about global warming and have fun it's story time on Atari Bites yes it's story Story, story, story time with Bill. This week's story is titled The Cold Shoulder. The isolator stood atop the frozen mountain that was once the stop and squat convenience store. 
Benny Benman was encased in a wall of ice filled. Strike that. Benny Benman was encased in a wall of ice that filled the now useless exit door, trapped mid-bite. His corn dog now more popsicle than cured meat with breading. The isolator laughed a hoarse guffaw. Puffs of chilled air ravaging the warm air molecules of the summer night and leaving them breathless. The supervillain's icicle teeth glinted in the sunlight. Inside the store, Clerk Mallory tried to carve her way to freedom from the rigid tomb with her nose piercing. Meanwhile, the bitter cold rendered customer Alex Appleby's intended prophylactic purchase unnecessary. From atop the snowy abomination, the isolator spoke to the frigid citizenry via the cameras on the news chopper circling overhead. People of Town City, it is I, the isolator. I have brought your city to its knees. Your urban area is under my control. The metropolis is molded to my will. Your populace is pummeled. Your... The villain's villainous rant was cut short as he slid on his butt down the slippery slope of Mount Squat. And that's when the isolator awoke from his dream. He irritably switched off the heating pad and sat up with a groan. With a curse as he tripped over his frozen kitty, the isolator went out to the kitchen for a snifter of brandy. The liquid burned as it slid down his throat. Ouch. The isolator looked around his small one-bedroom apartment. Giving up the spacious supervillain's lair had made economic sense. Who needs all that room when you're constantly traveling the globe spreading evil and ill will? But now, here he sat. What good is a globe-trotting supervillain in a pandemic? How could he spread fear and frosty badness with a mere touch of his finger when collecting change, the simple brush of a cold shoulder in a crowded subway? Social distancing kept him away from everyone, which was fine, because people who weren't the isolator sucked. But icky as people are, you couldn't wreak havoc upon them without actually being among them, sadly. You can't entomb an army in sleet via video conference. This pandemic totally frostbites, the isolator muttered. The isolator was weeks into the pandemic before he figured out he needed to wear oven mitts when he made his sourdough, or else his frozen hands would dry it out. Zoom and cocktails isn't as fun with frozen treats. Going on a computer to watch each other lick popsicles is just... weird. He tried doing a jigsaw puzzle, but one of the centerpieces, the eye of the peregrine falcon, the one in the top hat, not the one in the English-style fedora, fell down the heating vent. The last time the isolator touched the heating vent, the collision of cold and hot created an ice storm that was hell on the carpet. The isolator's ice phone 10 vibrated across the table. He smirked as he looked at the caller ID. He took the phone's temperature, spritzed it with sanitizer, and hit the button. What? he said. Later. Do you wish to join me in bringing the American military forces to their knees? said the humidor, a humidity-based villain known for spreading unpleasant sweating and wrinkling of garments across the land as well as the occasional sweaty knee pits. Their camouflage gear doesn't breathe well. The isolator considered this. It would be nice to get out of the house, but, you know, COVID. Would... would I have to go outside? For the first time ever, the isolator was... nervous. The Marines don't yet have drive through maneuvers, so yes, isolator, there will be going outside, the humidor said. Though next week I am going to decimate the world's supply of gold. They have curbside service. Well, I was planning on a full day of planting fake medical studies on social media, the isolator said. He just couldn't bring himself to walk out that door. Oh, the humidor said. Well, bye then. The call ended. 
The isolator sighed and walked to the window to look out on the world. The parking lot was full, nobody was at work after all, and a wide world stretched out beyond. So many potential victims for a supervillain, but he just didn't have the heart. Nature had beaten him to the punch, so the isolator opened the window and sent a blast of cold breath that caused the air to drain from the tires in the parking lot. Whenever his neighbors got ready to go back to work, at least they would be mildly inconvenienced. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Be like Jack Frost, nipping at the Apple Podcast's nose and leave a chilly five-star review of this podcast. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And don't forget, you can call and leave a voicemail. Even in this time of the pandemic, I'm not going to talk to you. But you can leave a message about pretty much anything you want at 563-265-1978. Check out the website www.carnivalofgleecreations.com for information, links, social media, all sorts of things about this podcast, Atari Bytes, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You can also find out about books that I've written, including the aforementioned Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. And there are even links to some of the places you can buy those books. How awesome is that? Consider supporting the show by becoming a subscriber on the Patreon project. Just look up Atari Bytes over there at Patreon. And you can do that thing. You can be like the cool kids. Michael Tyler, Jose Caseda, Sean Courtney, and Aerospite. Who are already over there gobbling up all of the free Pigs in a Blanket and Caesar salad. So join them. Alright, I think that's about it for this week. All that's left is to tell you what's coming up next week. Oh man, I don't know what's going on with this game, but it sounds like it's going to add up to some number one fun. That's right, we're playing Fun with Numbers. Aw yeah. All you accounting and statistics types, I just blew your minds. So join us next week for that. And until next time, Go play some old games. They've missed you.